I hope everybody's doing well today. Welcome to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network, where knowledge is power. Um, Tomorrow we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program. Uh, Today I'm going to play an excerpt of the interview. I'll play the interview that uh, Fox 2 News did with me yesterday. You may have seen it posted uh, on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network. And uh, I posted about it uh, on the fan page, let people know I was going to uh, be interviewed by Fox 2 also. So the interview went very well. Uh, It's like a two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute segment. They interviewed me for about 15 minutes. Randy Wembley of uh, Fox 2 News here in Detroit interviewed me. And shout-out to Steve Hood for uh, setting up the interview for me also. Um... I'll be on Wake Up with Steve Hood Thursday morning. We're going to do an extended segment. We're going to we'll deal with uh, uh, President Barack Obama's legacy and uh, how African Americans did under President Obama. We're going to deal with a lot of policies uh, that he had that positively impacted African Americans, and then we'll look at some things that he got wrong. Also, all right, uh, and I'm going to share an excerpt of uh, interview. Uh, with Dr. King um, from the Mike Douglas show back in, I think this was about 1968, and he was talking about his opposition to the Vietnam War, okay? But um, here is uh, the segment from last night, Fox 2 News. And uh, we dealt with the um, real legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the revolutionary Dr. King. Okay, so we'll get this queued up. And Randy Wembley wrote an article about this as well at uh, fox2detroit.com, fox2detroit.com, called The Real Revolutionary Legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The Real Revolutionary Legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. All right, so I hope everybody's doing well today. Let's go to this clip. On the day we remember Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the civil rights leader has become an icon, but many of us only know bits and pieces of his true legacy. Tonight on The Edge, Fox News' Randy Wimbley takes a closer look and delves into what Dr. King stood for. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is one of the most revered figures in American history and perhaps the most misremembered. Many know him best for his I Have a Dream speech, and chances are we may even have something about that wrong. The original name of the speech was a canceled check. It wasn't even called I Have a Dream. Michael Emotep, founder of the African American History Network, dishes on the origin of one of America's most famous speeches. King initially railed on racism, poverty, police brutality, and voter suppression. Issues as relevant today as they were some 50 years ago. The main uh, crux of the speech was holding America accountable for a promissory note issued to us about 100 years ago and it was marked insufficient funds. It's the kind of king many may be unfamiliar with. So when we studied Dr. King, he talked about economic empowerment, supporting African-American-owned institutions. The real king is a man who's a revolutionary, a man who uh, was fighting for uh, uh, African people. Far more than... Okay, let me pause it right there just a second. And uh, he got it, he he got it wrong. It's the African History Network, not the African American History Network. So just a second, we're about to broadcast on Facebook Live. All right, how's everybody doing today? Hey, welcome to the African History Network. Oh, sorry, welcome to the Michael M. Hotep Show, right here on the Empowerment Radio Network. We're going to be here for a few minutes. Then broadcast live yesterday. I was very tired. 
I did four presentations this past weekend uh, uh Dr. King uh Dr. King uh presentations and uh yesterday evening I was interviewed by uh Fox 2 News and I knew the interview was coming coming I just wasn't sure what time so I didn't broadcast live yesterday cuz I was tired okay so uh, I was interviewed by Fox 2 Fox 2 News here in Detroit uh, about the real legacy of Dr. King, and we talked about the um, we talked about the revolutionary Dr. King also. Okay, so here is that uh, interview. Junior, the civil rights leader, has become an icon, but many of us only know bits and pieces of his true legacy. Tonight on the Edge, Fox News' Randy Wimbley takes a closer look and delves into what Dr. King stood for. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is one of the most revered figures in American history and perhaps the most misremembered. Many know him best for his I Have a Dream speech and chances are we may even have something about that wrong. The original name of the speech was a canceled check. It wasn't even called I Have a Dream. Michael Imhotep, founder of the African American History Network, dishes on the origin of one of America's most famous speeches. King initially railed on racism, poverty, police brutality, and voter suppression. Issues as relevant today as they were some 50 years ago. And the main uh, crux of the speech was holding America accountable for a promissory note issued to us about 100 years ago and it was marked insufficient funds. It's the kind of king many may be unfamiliar with. So when we study that... The king, he talked about economic empowerment, supporting African-American-owned institutions. The real king is a man who's a revolutionary, a man who was fighting for uh, uh, African people. Far more than the mild campaigner for a colorblind society, King was a preacher with a prophetic edge who condemned the Vietnam War and aspects of American foreign policy, expressed disappointment in the, quote, white moderate in their aversion to support the civil rights movement in his letter from a Birmingham jail. He called not just for desegregation, but for racial justice. Was Dr. King for reparations? Well, I don't remember him using the term reparations, but he would be definitely for uh, some type of compensation. It doesn't have to be uh, totally monetarily, but some type of compensation absolutely to help rectify 246 years of slavery, decades of Jim Crow segregation, the black holes, etc. When we come to Washington and this campaign, we are coming to get our check. That was King's Poor People campaign, an effort at the tail end of his life as public sentiment against him mounted. According to the last Gallup measure of King in 1966, only 32% of Americans viewed him favorably. 63% did not. He was assassinated two years later in Memphis, Tennessee. We talked with Detroit News columnist and host of the Red Line radio show, Bankalay Thompson, how a man so loathed became a man so loved. Some people want to be comfortable, and the best way to do that is to say, well, let's remove that edgy Dr. King. Let's remove the principal Dr. King and replace him with someone that is soft and kind of malleable. Uh, the Dr. King that we can just put anything in. And here's something you probably did know about the I Have a Dream speech. It was first delivered here in Detroit at Cobo Hall after more than 100,000 people marched down Woodward Avenue in the Great Walk to Freedom. In downtown Detroit, I'm Randy Wembley, and this is The Edge. Okay, so that was uh, last night, uh, 11 o'clock news, Fox 2. I was uh, interviewed by Randy Wembley. 
dealing with the real legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the revolutionary Dr. King. I, I did a presentation uh, Saturday at the Jungle Juice Bar, Saturday, January 14th. You heard me talk about it, the Jungle Juice Bar. The distortion of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the revolutionary, will not be televised. The revolutionary will not be televised. So it's available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. This is the DVD. It's available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's a two-and-a-half-hour presentation. Uh, it's only $15. So uh, you can order this today. I just shipped some out uh, before the uh, show started today. The distortion of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., the revolutionary, will not be televised. The revolutionary will not be televised on the television. So in this uh, presentation, I deal with l l the uh, little-known history about the Montgomery bus boycott because the Montgomery bus boycott did not actually end segregation on the buses in Montgomery, Alabama. I deal with the real history of the I Have a Dream speech. I deal with Dr. King's stance on the Black Power movement. Was the Civil Rights Movement really a nonviolent movement? Okay. Uh, uh, I deal with the Deacons for Defense and Justice also. Uh, Dr. King's opposition to the Vietnam War. Uh, talk about Dr. King and Malcolm, Malcolm X economic empowerment, as well as Dr. King's involvement with Africa. Okay, so this is available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, so um, thanks to everybody who came out to the presentation Saturday, who came out to uh, at the Jungle Juice Bar. Then Sunday, uh, I, I spoke two places on Sunday. I, I spoke at Pleasant Grove Baptist Church. Uh, Sunday morning and I spoke to the children there and there were some adults there also so we talked about Dr. King's legacy and the real Dr. King so we dealt with some of that and the kids really liked it um, and then um, Saturday uh, evening 7 p.m. I spoke at uh, Bethany Baptist Church Pastor David Alexander Bullock who's uh, one of my colleagues on uh, 9 10 a.m. the Superstation here in Detroit the uh, other network where I, uh, I do my radio show uh, he asked me to speak, so I was a keynote speaker for their Beyond the Dream um, celebration, okay? So that was good also, and uh, people really learned a lot, because a lot of people really didn't know a whole lot about Dr. King beyond just um, what you see every Dr. King day or what you see in a commercial. A lot of people really didn't know a lot of the information I was sharing with them, okay? So um been very, very busy uh past few days. Okay, and I didn't even broadcast yesterday live. I was tired, and uh, I knew I talked to Randy Wembley early in the day, so we were trying to set up the uh, interview. So it ended up taking place last night around seven seven thirty. We actually did the interview at the um, uh, where was that? That was um, the Detroit Seafood Market. Detroit Seafood Market, which is the African American owned business, very very nice in there. Uh, very professional people. And I did a Facebook Live broadcast from the restaurant last night, let people know it was right after the uh, interview. So support them, 1435 Rand Randolph Street in Detroit, 1435 Randolph Street in Detroit in downtown Detroit, the Detroit Seafood Market. Um, okay, so we're back from break now. You know, let's see, we'll, we'll be here for an hour. I have to get out of here at 6. Tomorrow we'll do the full show. So... You know, Trump is still battling with Representative John Lewis. And I, I think Trump is keeping this battle going on with John Lewis to dis to distract from some other problems that Trump has going on. Right. 
um, because you have the confirmation hearings for a lot of his controversial um, candidates, things like this going on right now. Okay, and we're gonna I'm gonna post the uh, link to the um, I'll post the link to the um, for the for the DVD presentation. We'll post that also. Uh, we'll post that information here. Right, we'll post it right here on the thread of the broadcast. How's everybody doing today on Facebook? Okay, so you know, yesterday Martin Luther King III met with Donald Trump. I think that was a big mistake. I think Trump is trying to meet with African Americans to convince us that everything is going to be okay, but it's not going to be okay. Uh, we'll talk probably some about that some more tomorrow. But thinkprogress.org had a good article. Thinkprogress.org had a good article. Republicans praise Dr. King while plotting to dismantle his legacy. Republicans praise Dr. King while plotting to dismantle his legacy. And this is usually the case, especially coming from the right wing. This is usually the case coming from uh, Republicans. Okay. So uh, you have Donald Trump talking about what a great man Dr. King was and let's honor his legacy. But you engaged in voter intimidation. You engaged in voter intimidation your party was heavily engaged in voter suppression tactics with the voter ID laws, reducing the number of early voting uh, locations. There were 868 less places to vote this year uh, than in previous uh, election cycles. OK, so Trump benefits from voter suppression, but then wants to talk about honoring Dr. King's legacy. All right. So. Um, you have uh, Speaker Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House of Representatives. OK, Paul Ryan uh, posted on social media uh, on uh, well, well, last year in, in 20 in 2016, January 18, 2016. He said that the Martin Luther King Jr. spent all all his life spreading what he called the gospel of freedom. He called for America to live up to its promise to make all Americans free and equal, his words and examples inspire us now. Well, why didn't you denounce voter suppression tactics of your own party? Why didn't you do that, Paul Ryan? Now, in the article, it says, um, even the devil can quote scripture for his own purpose. Even the devil can quote scripture for his own purpose. Now, it is a tradition every year in mid-January that officials determine determined to tear down the uh, edifices uh, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. built in life, tried to claim his mantle on Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Day. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, from Republican from Wisconsin, praised Dr. King for reaching, quote, out to people of different backgrounds, races, and creeds, end quote, and imploring them to find the basic aspects of humanity that unite us all. President-elect Donald Trump got an early start on Dr. King appropriation last August when he celebrated the 53rd anniversary of the March on Washington by calling upon quote-unquote today's leaders to quote work to ensure that all of our people can live in safety, prosperity, equality, and peace, end quote. So why did you and your daddy 
engage in discriminating against African Americans and Hispanics for staying in your apartment building. So much so that you and your daddy were sued in 1973 by Richard Nixon's Department of Justice and then sued again three years later because you kept uh, uh, practicing the infractions. Why is that? And you want to talk about safety, prosperity, equality, and peace. How is it that you talk about this on Dr. King Day, but you're the same guy who took out a full-page ad in four New York Daily newspapers calling for the death penalty to be brought back so that the Central Park Five can get the death penalty. And then when all the evidence comes out, when the DNA evidence comes out, the real killer is caught. We find out that these guys are totally innocent. Four African-Americans and one Hispanic. Totally innocent. They get a settlement from the, uh, 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 from the city of New York. You say the settlement is unjust, undeserved. Then late last year, you double down and say that the police said they were guilty, so you still think they, they are guilty. Even after all the evidence came out, you call for them to be put to death, and you never apologize for it. But you want to talk about... We should all work to ensure that all of our people can live in safety, prosperity, equality, and peace. So the article goes on to say, but these men have not honored Dr. King's life work. No, they haven't. They threatened the voting rights King marched to secure, as well as rights such as health care and economic security that King cherished. They praise his legacy, then actively fight to dismantle it. Now, in 1957, Dr. King uh, demanded, quote unquote, give us the ballot and African-Americans will have the tool they need to protect their own interests in a democracy. Though Dr. King is remembered for his comprehensive assault on racial injustice, he viewed the franchise as the single most important component of this fight. Quote, our most urgent request to the president of the United States and even member of Congress End quote. Dr. King proclaimed, quote, is to give us the right to vote, end quote. So how do you have Republicans, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, Donald Trump, and these other liars and deceivers, how do they sit up here and on the one hand praise Dr. King on Dr. King Day and then the other 364 days of the year do everything they can to dismantle his legacy and to institute voter suppression laws? To, to to make it harder for people to vote or deprive people of the right to vote. So 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 these so these hypocrites have to be called out and held accountable. And one of the best ways to do this, one of the best ways to do this is to make sure you vote their asses out of office. See you you when you when you when you deal with when you deal with people like this, you can't let them just stay in office and your tax dollars pay their salaries and they're writing laws and passing laws that negatively impact you. You you have to make sure you get rid of them because that sends a clear message to their friends that if you don't straighten up and fly right, we're going to come after you also. So when you look at what happened in Kentucky and I talk about how uh, a lot of these white people keep putting, and this this is not all on white people. Okay, uh, don't 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 misunderstand. Okay, but I talk about how a, a lot of white people keep voting for Republicans, and I'm neither Democrat nor Republican, but I sure as hell ain't stupid. I I, I know not to vote against my own interests. 
So you have a lot of you have a lot of white people, right, who who keep voting for Republicans and then they end up getting screwed by Republicans. OK, then they want to blame President Obama for their condition. All right. Now, we, OK, we got a few minutes before the break. Let me find this article. Uh, right quick here, because this is an article from thinkprogress.org. Uh, about Kentucky okay and I think it's in uh, one of my file folders because I had to do my uh, radio show last night and I mean not last night Sunday I think I think when I went to the uh, okay here we go I think when I went to the interview I took some articles with me okay all right so let me bring this uh, article up all right we talked about this some last week, but this ties right into what we're going to talk about today. And I had a whole show laid out, but we're going to stay on this topic here because in 2017, we have to be more politically astute. We cannot make the same mistakes in 2017 and 2018 that we made in 2016. When you have bad information, you make bad decisions. And, and too many of our people did not show up to vote because they were operating based upon bad information, operating based upon conspiracy theories, didn't read enough of the right information. And they're going to get and they're going to be screwed. They're going to be screwed royally. If Jeff Sessions gets in office. I mean, you got Betty DeVos, who has been who has been held on public education, advocate of uh, of of, pri of um, private schools. She will gut the uh, 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 um, the Department of Education. You have, um, I mean, when you look at a lot of these um, uh, nominees from Trump, I mean, you see a, a disaster happening. A lot of them are at odds with the department that they're supposed to be running. Then you have uh, Dr. Ben Carson who I don't think has a clue of how to run the Department of Housing and Urban Development. And he actually wants to gut the Department of Housing and Urban Development. And from my understanding, he disagrees with the Fair Housing Act of 1968 also. Okay, so thinkprogress.org has an article from uh, January 9th. Kentucky Republicans assault unions and wages in first act of the year. Kentucky Republicans assault unions and wages in first act of the year okay now, ch now check check out what happened so you had republicans who voted for so the november 8th election right you had republicans that voted for members of the state legislature you, or you had people that voted for it republicans ended up uh winning the state legislature and this is the first time in 100 years in kentucky almost 100 years in kentucky that Republicans dominate the state legislature. All right. They also voted for a Republican governor. They replaced the Democratic governor with the Republican governor. Okay. Matt Bevin is the Republican governor. And one of the first things that this new Republican administration did in Kentucky was to pass right to work laws, which totally screws the majority of the people who voted to put them in office. They voted to pass right to work laws. Now the right to work laws will, will likely weaken unions finances, li likely weaken the labor unions finances and repeal a prevailing wage law that ensures government contractors pay decently. So a lot of the blue collar workers who voted to 
put these Republicans in office in Kentucky got screwed with the very first bill that they passed two Saturdays ago. Kentucky was the last of the southern states that had not gone the, the path of right to work. But after Matt Bevin, Governor Matt Bevin, signed the bill on Saturday, it now joins the rest, becoming the 27th state in the country to pass right-to-work laws. Now, right-to-work laws systematically drive down wages across the board. It has a, it has a more devastating impact on African Americans because 60, because uh, the average African American woman makes 63 cents for every dollar that the average white male makes. And African-American men make uh, about 78 cents for every dollar that the average white male makes. OK, so then when you're living in a southern state and then you, you deliver right to work laws, which then drive down wages even more. It has a, a, a more negative impact on African-Americans. Now, normally all workers in a unionized workplace must pay dues to the union, given that it's bargaining on their behalf. What right to work laws do, which are, which are pushed by the Koch brothers, and they use Americans for Prosperity, which is one of their nonprofit organizations, to help push this information to, to people to make them think that it's in their best interest. What right to work laws do, they create what's, what critics call a free rider problem, a free rider problem. So what it is, is that in right to, right to work law states, you can work on a job and get the benefits of the union. You can have the union uh, negotiate contracts on your behalf, union intervene on your behalf if, you, if, if the company tries to terminate you, things like this. But it's up to you if you contribute to the union, if you pay dues to the union. It's not mandatory for you to pay dues to the union. These are things pushed by the right wing, pushed by the Koch brothers, pushed by corporate America to, to weaken the unions, break the back of the unions so they can then lower the wages of, of people and people have to take the wages and some of these very same people will then blame President Obama for their screwed up situation and you're the one that keep voting these Republicans in the office who kept screwing you time and time again. You have 27 states in the union, there are only 50 states in the union. Kentucky became the 27th state. And when you go and look, state after state after state, it turn, it, 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 it's a Republican-dominated state legislature and a Republican governor that signs the stuff in the law. How many times do you have to keep seeing the same movie to understand how it ends? How many times do you have to keep seeing the same movie to understand how the movie ends? Before you understand how the movie ends. Now, right to work laws allow people to opt out of dues even if they're still being represented by the union, which means they can benefit from union negotiations over wages and working conditions, but don't have to give any monetary support to the unions. So now this dynamic can hollow out unions finances since they still have to do the same work, but potentially with less money. And what this is, the, this is a covert way to attack the unions and reduce the amount of money that unions have to donate to financial campaigns. Because a lot of these unions oftentimes um, um, support Democratic candidates. So this in turn reduces how much money the unions have to help uh, financially support Democratic candidates for uh, uh, U.S. House of Representatives, U.S. Senate and for the presidency. This is a very covert attack by Republicans. 
By weakening union power, research has found that right-to-work laws have negative impacts on, on all workers. By weakening union power, research has found that right-to-work laws have negative impacts on all workers. These laws end up reducing wages. Pay is about 3% lower in right-to-work states compared to those without uh, the right-to-work laws, which comes out to be around $1,500 less a, less a year for a typical worker. They also lower the likelihood of receiving employer benefits like health insurance or a pension. So when you have right to work states, you're less likely to have health insurance in those states, less likely to have a pension as well, which is more profit for the corporations who help push for these laws in the first place. Now, Kentucky's new law, the new right to work law, also bans public employees from going on strike, a key labor right enjoyed by all workers. They these people who voted the, for these Republicans in Kentucky got screwed on the very first day of school. They got screwed on the very first day of school. Now, the, 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 the state legislature also passed a rollback of the state's prevailing wage this weekend. And Governor Matt Bevin of Kentucky has said he will sign it. These laws are intended to keep government contractors on from undercutting wages to offer cheaper bids. This is on uh, state contracts, okay? And the prevailing wage helps a lot of people stay in the middle class. A lack of prevailing wage laws can lead to a race to the bottom, a race to the bottom, as contractors seek to underbid each other and undercut each other, so they keep lowering how much they're going to pay the employees, and with... um Prevailing wage is like a minimum wage. It's a minimum amount that you can pay people to get these government contracts. They remove that, which is going to have a negative impact on the same people that voted these jackasses in the office. And while proponents say that getting rid of the laws could keep government costs low, research has, has not found that to be the case. We have right to work laws here in Michigan signing the law by Governor Rick Snyder, that idiot, and you had a uh, a um, Republican uh, state legislature that signed it in the law, and I saw it. I saw it go down. That's how I know what right right to work is like. And you had Americans for Prosperity who were up in the nation's capital, up in Lansing, uh, not the nation's capital, the state capital. In Lansing, Michigan, Americans for Prosperity, they had a tent set up and they're outside passing out flyers to people trying to convince them that right to work is a good thing for them. And, and Americans for Prosperity is one of the nonprofit organizations owned by, by the Koch brothers. And they're, and they're using this and using this propaganda to push their own agendas and push their uh, own issues and policies through the state legislatures to, to yield, more, yield more profits to them. So sooner or later, these people and mainly white people who keep vote for these Republicans, sooner or later, you have to realize you keep getting screwed by the same people you keep voting in the office. OK, now. How's everybody doing today? All right, good. OK, so then check out this other article here from thinkprogress.org. Republicans praise Dr. King while plotting to dismantle his legacy. Republicans praise Dr. King while plotting to, dis to dismantle his legacy. Okay, so back to the article, Dr. King in 1957, he said, give us the ballot, give us the ballot. 
because he was huge on voting rights. He's coming out of Mississippi, coming out of not, not Mississippi, coming out of Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama. He moved to Montgomery in 1955 with Coretta, and he was born in Atlanta. Okay, so they're dealing with voter disenfranchisement down there, and they know how important the vote is. So he understood that. Uh, uh, having the right to vote was a tool that they needed to protect their own interests in a democracy. Now, Dr. King was remembered for his comprehensive assault on racial justice, uh, and he viewed the uh, the franchise or the right to vote as the single most important component of this fight. He said, quote, our most urgent request to the President of the United States and every member of Congress is to give us the right to vote. Now, Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House of Representatives, Paul Ryan, Republican, refused to bring a bill restoring the Voting Rights Act to the House floor. Senator Mitch McConnell, uh, Senate Majority Leader, Republican from Kentucky, Senator Mitch McConnell proposed a nationwide voter suppression law. And Donald Trump actively tried to get minority voters uh, ballots tossed out. So these are the same guys who are praising Dr. King and saying that we need to honor his legacy and things like this. And they're doing everything they can to tear down his legacy. These are a bunch of lying hypocrites. So Dr. King wept tears of joy during President Lyndon Johnson's, uh, quote, we shall overcome uh, speech announcing the Voting Rights Act. He endured beatings and threats and assassination attempts to win the right to vote. Yet Donald Trump pledged to fill the vacant Supreme Court seat with another Justice Scalia who voted to gut much of the Voting Rights Act in the Shelby County versus Holder uh, lawsuit. Now, Shelby County is in uh, Alabama. Alabama is where Senator Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III is from. He is Donald Trump's choice to be attorney general. The holder who was the defendant in the case was former attorney general Eric Holder. Shelby County sued Eric Holder over the Voting Rights Act and said that they didn't need it anymore. And then as soon as uh, Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act was gutted, then you had four, about 14 states move to institute new voter ID laws that made it harder for people to vote and required, uh, uh, required them to have voter IDs. They, they did things like reduce the number of early voting locations, reduce the number of, uh, of weeks that you have for uh, souls to the polls where you can have where you have uh, early voting on Sunday. Did all different types of things like this to make it harder for African-Americans and Hispanics and other people to vote. Now, Donald Trump's nominee to lead the Justice Department, Senator Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, literally prosecuted, literally prosecuted a former aide to Dr. King after that aide helped black voters cast their ballots. We talked about that here on the show. In the sanitized version of King, offered by men like Paul Ryan, Donald Trump, Senator Mitch McConnell, Dr. King was a unifying figure who paved over a racial divide that is now largely healed. But Dr. King was the arch nemesis of Ryanism. So this is the distortion of the legacy of Dr. King, because 
when he was assassinated, he was the most hated man in the world, in, in the U.S., I should say, most hated man in America, because he stood on principle and he was against the Vietnam War. Now, Dr. King uh, saw that the battle for racial equality was inseparable from the fight for economic justice. So a lot of people talk about Dr. King and a colorblind society, okay? Well, really, the, the real push wasn't for a colorblind society because he was proud to be black. In a colorblind society, this is this is a, a notion pushed by the right wing. A colorblind society tacitly says, it tacitly, covertly says, there's something wrong about your color, so let's pretend like it doesn't exist. He was fighting for racial equality, okay, equal rights, but 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 not necessarily a colorblind society. But these these are tricks from the right wing to get you to buy into this. So Dr. King saw that the battle for racial equality was inseparable. From the fight for economic justice. They were together. He did not separate them. And he dealt with economic empowerment, economic justice, and holding America accountable for his promises of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. From his promises from the Constitution, from his promises from, promises from the Emancipation Proclamation, from his promises of the 13th Amendment. Holding America accountable. Because in the speech called I Have a Dream, which was originally called a cancel check. He talks about the Negro being given a checkmark insufficient funds and holding America accountable for uh, for the promissory note issued to them 100 years ago because the march took place in 1963. And that was the anniversary year of the Emancipation Proclamation, which was issued 100 years before. So. Dr. King said, quote, I am mindful that debilitating and grinding poverty afflicts my people and chains them to the lowest rung of the economic ladder. I am mindful that debilitating and grinding poverty afflicts my people and chains them to the lowest rung of the economic ladder. So this is why in 68, they, they, they were going to have the poor people's campaign. Because he said, when we go to Washington in this campaign, we're going to get our check. He was focusing on economic justice, focusing on economic empowerment. So Dr. King lamented in his speech accepting the no. Uh, the, uh, so in his in his speech accepting the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, he said, "I am mindful that debilitating and grinding poverty afflicts my people and chains them to the lowest rung of the economic ladder." Now he was awarded fifty-four thousand dollars as the prize for winning the, winning the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. He won it for his civil rights work, his nonviolent civil rights work. He donated the entire fifty-four thousand dollars to the movement. He donated the entire $54,000 to the movement. And Dr. King demanded not just civil rights, but also a guaranteed income for all Americans. And yet today, the Republican, the Republican Party's budget proposals, many of them authored by Speaker Paul Ryan, that weasel from Wisconsin, may be the greatest rollback in assistance for the poor and the downtrodden since the federal government abandoned its commitment to reconstructing the South after the Civil War. Civil War ends in 1865, June of 1865. Now, it combines severe cuts to health care, education, and food assistance for the poor with major tax cuts for the rich. This is Donald Trump. This is why I explain to people elections have consequences because Donald Trump's tax plan is going to benefit the top 1%. It benefits the top 1% immensely and is detrimental to everybody else. Now, it is the very this is the very thing that Dr. King marched against.
Okay, we're coming up on a break. We'll be back in a couple minutes here. Hey, it's um, 2017. Um, it's the new year. And you want to start the new year off right by investing uh, in the future of your family with a, a life insurance policy today. Hey, give uh, Yolanda Spivey a call at the Whitney Insurance Agency, the Whitney Insurance Agency. Start the year off right and invest in the future of your family with life insurance today. Give her a call at 201-880-7179, 201-880-7179 with uh, life insurance. There's so many ways that you can use this to uh, as a as a. Um, as a financial asset, as a financial tool. And when you pass on, we're all going to pass on. You want to leave a assets to your family as opposed to leaving debt to your family. You know, we're all familiar with hip hop artists and hip hop mogul Master P. Well, his grandfather, grandfather left him uh, $10,000 from a life insurance policy. He took that $10,000 and turned it into a $250 million empire. How many of us have dreams of owning a business and things like this? And when a loved one dies or what have you, that's a lot of seed money that can be utilized to uh, start a business, to replace the income of that person that passed as well. And we should definitely have life insurance policies on our children, okay? Because if something happens to them, uh, you definitely want to be covered. You want to, you don't, you want to be able to pay for the funeral, pay for other expenses, things like this. So give, uh, y uh Yolanda Spivey a call at 201-880-7179, 201-880-7179, the Whitney Insurance Agency. Visit their website, mwhitney.com, mwhitney.com, and also read her articles at the blackinsurancenetwork.com theblackinsurancenetwork.com. All right, welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network where knowledge is power. This is a hell of an article from um, thinkprogress.org. Republicans praise Dr. King while plotting to dismantle his legacy. Republicans praise Dr. King while plotting to uh, dismantle his legacy. Okay, and let me update the information here. Just give me one minute here. Um, okay, just give me one minute. I'm going to update the information for the description here. Everybody doing all right today? Okay, say that number again. Um, 201-880-7179, area code 201-880-7179. Okay, I'm, I'm going to post it. Uh, uh, we'll post it here on the thread here in just a minute. Okay, just give me a minute. I have to update this information for today's show. All right, so, um, and want to let you know thanks to everybody who came out to the presentation uh, Saturday at the Jungle Juice Bar. Um, I dealt with the distortion of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the revolutionary will not be televised. The revolutionary will not be televised uh, on the television. The revolutionary will not be televised on the television. You can order it here. It's fifteen dollars, two and a half hours. This will blow you away. I got a lot of information here. People did not know about Dr. King. And then I, I did a, a short version of this. Uh, you can order this at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of our DVDs, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Um, we posted a, a link 
uh, we posted the information on the thread of this broadcast. So you can check that, check that out also. And we have it on our Facebook fan page as well. Okay. So when I did my presentation, I, I did, um, a couple presentations, uh, of this, uh, this past weekend, Sunday night, I did at Pleasant Grove Baptist Church and a lot of the adults in there didn't know this information about Dr. King. I was dropping on. Them, okay. So you can order this. It's going to be ordered today. It's going to ship out tomorrow. I just shipped out some today uh, that people ordered. So this will blow your way, way right here. Um, all right. Let's go to some of your comments here and then we'll go back to this. Okay. Um, let's see here. I'm in Wichita. Okay. Gary Black said, I'm in Wichita, Kansas, where the Koch brothers reside. I get some help on a veterans program for housing and they cut my food assistance benefits from $172 to $16. Wow. Wow. And see what happens. I think people really look, uh, need to look at what happened in North Carolina. In North Carolina, Reverend William Barber III and others, what they did was they put together uh, a coalition, an interracial coalition of people who realized that they had things in common. They were poor. They were being harm was being inflicted upon them by Republicans, things like this. And they got Republican Governor Pat McCrory out of office. And they're going to go after the, the next round uh, of elections uh, dealing with the state legislature. They're going to go after them also because they realized that uh, they had these things in common and they realized they could band together and and fight and make things much better for themselves. OK, um, Love Safari said life insurance policies are a must. Uh, let's see. Love Safari said, you should see how Paul Ryan keeps laughing every time a black congresswoman opens her mouth to speak. Yeah, Paul, Paul Ryan is a jerk. Okay, um, Gary Black said, this is what we call selective amnesia. Okay, all right. So let's go uh, back here. Yeah, you're right, man. It's selective amnesia, definitely. Okay. So now when we look at the curse of poverty, Dr. King told the medical committee for human rights in 1966, he said of all the forms of inequality injustice in healthcare is the most shocking and inhuman. Now Republicans now prepare to dismantle much of America's healthcare safety net repealing Obamacare threatens 20 million people's health insurance. And without access to care, about 27,000 of these individuals are likely to die every year. Okay, now just this past weekend, there was a huge protest uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. and other places uh, fighting to maintain Obamacare. And you got all these white people out here saying that they don't want they don't want they don't want to take it away. They want to tweak it and prove it, but not take it away. Don't repeal it. All right. Now, uh, Speaker Ryan's plan to privatize Medicare would increase seniors health care costs by about 40 percent. He hopes to cut Medicaid funding between 
uh, uh, one third to one half. But they want to celebrate Dr. King. Now, Dr. King viewed uh, poverty as not just a tragedy, but a barbarism. He said, quote, it is socially as cruel and blind as the practice of cannibalism at the dawn of civilization. When men ate each other because they had not yet learned to take food from the soil or to consume the abundant animal life around them, end quote. Never since President never since President Johnson signed the legislation creating Medicare and Medicaid has such a comprehensive plan to foster injustice in health care been so close to becoming law. Dr. King is remembered for his soaring moral rhetoric, but he was also unafraid to do battle with wonks and to do battle with politicians, etc. He proposed a minimum income in his 1967 book, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community. That's his last book. After warning that traditional anti-poverty programs focusing on education, housing, or quote-unquote fragile family relationships too often operate in haphazard ways. He said housing measures have fluctuated at the whims of legislative bodies. They have been piecemeal and, and pygmy. P-Y-G-M-Y, pygmy. Educational reforms have been even more sluggish and entangled in bureaucratic stalling and, and, and economy-dominated de uh, decisions. Family assistance stagnated in neglect and then suddenly was discovered to be the central issue on the basis of hasty and superficial studies. At no time has a total coordinated and fully adequate program been conceived. As a consequence, fragmentary and spasmodic, uh, spasmodic uh, reforms have failed to reach down to the profoundest needs of the poor. Now, the article goes on to say, having watched policymakers grope about this way, Dr. King wrote that he was, quote, now convinced that the simplest approach will prove to be the most effective. The solution to poverty is to abolish it directly by a now widely discussed measure, the guaranteed income, end quote. All right, so let me post this here on uh, just a second. Okay, so you can sh share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Uh, we have the information with the um, uh, we have the information here with the uh, description of the show. Share this on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. All right, now. Um, okay, let's go to this clip here. This is, uh, once again, check out this article. Republicans praise Dr. King while plotting to dismantle his legacy. Republicans praise Dr. King while plotting to dismantle his legacy. And we'll talk more about Dr. King. We'll talk about John Lewis tomorrow also. Okay. All right. How's everybody doing? All right. Be sure to order the DVD. We're going to ship it out tomorrow. If you order today, it'll ship out tomorrow. The distortion of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the revolutionary, will not be televised on the television. You call it a TV, I call it a television because it's a vision that tells lies. That's one of my presentations. And if you order the six DVD set, uh, the Empowerment Bundle Pack number one, 
this is one of the DVDs in that bundle pack. It's um, six DVDs is $50. Okay, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll post the uh, link on the thread here again in just a second. All right, now this is uh, from, this is either 67 or 68. This is Dr. King on the Mike Douglas show. Now, some of you all may be too young to remember the Mike Douglas show. I remember the Mike Douglas show. It was a talk show in the uh, early 1970s, late 1960s and in the 1970s. And Dr. King is talking about his he's talking about his stance on Vietnam, which was not a popular stance. The, the, he, he, he first he delivered his first speech about his opposition to the Vietnam War, April 4th, 1967. And the next day, he was the most hated man in America. Later that year, Dr. King brought his anti-war message to the Mike Douglas show, where he defended his views against some surprisingly tough questions from the affable host. And an equally unlikely adversary, singer Tony Martin. Here is Dr. King in his historic appearance, which seems remarkably relevant after 40 years. Tony, our next guest is the is the winner of the Nobel Prize for Peace and perhaps the foremost spokesman for uh, the nine nonviolent faction in the American Negro Civil Rights Movement. Okay, this is from November 2nd, 1967. November 2nd, 1967. Now, his recent speeches and sermons urging Negroes not to fight in Vietnam have initiated a verbal argument among prominent Negroes that threatens to split the civil rights movement wide open. Would you please welcome a very outstanding and controversial gentleman, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. I said, I said to Dr. King, I want to put you right in the middle. I wasn't thinking. You've been put in the middle quite, quite often, haven't you? That's quite right. Dr. King, uh, why did you decide to urge Negroes not to fight in Vietnam? Well, I think my view has uh, been a little distorted at that point. I haven't only urged Negroes not to fight. Uh, I feel that the war is so unjust, so abominable, so futile and bloody and costly that no nobody should be fighting there. I haven't limited my concern to just the American Negro, although I know we are dying in disproportionate numbers there, and uh, we are on the losing end both there and at home, because as long as the war in Vietnam continues, our social programs will inevitably suffer here at home. Well, don't you think that your remarks have created doubts about the Negro's loyalty to his country? Well, some people may feel that. I don't think our loyalty to the country should be measured by our ability to kill. I think our loyalties to the country should be measured by our ability to lead the nation to higher heights of democracy and to the great dream of justice and humanity. Do you, do you honestly feel, uh, Dr. King, that the war in Vietnam could be stopped now without harm to this country? Well, there are two ways to deal with it. Uh, one is a unilateral withdrawal. Uh, I don't oppose that because uh, I feel that this is a possibility. After all, France withdrew unilaterally from Algeria, withdrew without a military victory. Mm -hmm. And this did not lessen France's prestige or influence in the world. If anything, it increased its prestige but in France the world. is not the power that this country is. Well, I think that's an even greater reason why 
uh, we should restrain our power. Uh, there's always the danger that any nation will abuse its power. And uh, I think our power must be much more than military power. We don't need to prove to the world or anybody our military power. I think we've got to prove our moral power. Do now. you feel that this nation has abused, uh, as you say, uh, their power? Oh, I certainly do in the, in the war in Vietnam. I have no doubt about that. I'm not saying that it was done uh, with evil motives in mind. I think we made a huge miscalculation. And when you make a mistake, you ought to confess it. One of the great things about President Kennedy was that he said to the world, to his closest advisors, that he made a mistake in the Bay of Pigs invasion in Cuba, and he said, I never should have listened to the experts. And I think the time has come now for our leaders to say that we've made a grave mistake in Vietnam, and we ought to take the initiative in bringing an end to this conflict, if not through a unilateral withdrawal, at least through a negotiated settlement. And I think there are things that we can do to create the atmosphere for negotiations. You know, uh, Dr. King, my first question, when you said uh, uh, it was, uh, you didn't say it was inaccurate, but you said it was a misunderstanding that you didn't advise just Negroes not to fight in Vietnam. But I think it was interpreted that way. Now, uh, how about the heroic uh, Negroes already in Vietnam? Uh, don't your remarks belittle their accomplishments? Oh, not at all. Uh, I have nothing but admiration for the bravery of those uh, who are engaged in the kind of sacrificial and suffering situation uh, that they are in. I'm not dealing with uh, that particular situation in terms of fighting. I'm trying to do something, uh, trying to lead us somewhere that will bring an end to what I see as a terrible and a very tragic war, which is damaging the image of our nation here and abroad. Doctor, may I ask you a question? Yes. Uh, don't you feel that perhaps the parents of, of the boys who are now currently in the operation in Vietnam might uh, not be in uh, amity with your civil rights movement now because of your... I doubt that. I doubt that very seriously. Uh, I can't uh, overestimate the amount of discontent in the Negro community over the war in Vietnam. Uh, I haven't seen any loss of support in the Negro community. As I don't mean just in the Negro community. I mean, there are many, many of the Caucasians who are with mm -hmm. your civil rights movement as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering if you're not disingratiating yourself, how you feel about those who have their sons in Vietnam now. Well, there again, I think two things are important here. Uh, first, I think that uh, the things that I'm saying and the things that I'm trying to do and all of the people in the move peace movement are trying to do are really geared toward uh, bringing the boys back home. In other words, we are trying to prove to be their best friends by uh, doing something to bring about the climate that will bring an end to this war. Uh, secondly, anyone who is committed to civil rights would not withdraw that commitment as a result of uh, someone in the civil rights movement taking a stand against the war in Vietnam. And if they do, then they were not with it in the beginning. You stand up for what is just because it is just and right, 
Uh, I think it was T.S. Eliot who said, there's no greater heresy than to do the right thing for the wrong reason. That's right. And a lot of people do the right thing for the wrong reason, and I submit to anyone who would stop supporting civil rights because of a stand against the war on the part of some leaders ended up doing the right thing for the wrong reason. They were never truly committed to civil rights in the beginning. All right, so that was a clip. That's from uh, November 2nd, 1967. It's Dr. King talking about the Vietnam War and his stance against the Vietnam War. All right, we have to get out of here. Um, okay, let's see. Ali Muhammad on Facebook, he said, You are right, brother. Lakeen, uh want us to think he was still dreaming when he was uh, killed. Okay. Um, all right. We got to get, get out of here. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, go order my latest presentation to this January 14th, 2017, to this Saturday. The Distortion of the Legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the Revolutionary, will not be televised on the television. It's a two-and-a-half-hour presentation. We'll post the link again here um, on the thread of the broadcast for the um, to order the DVD. We have a lot of other stuff at our website also, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, we posted information for Yolanda Spivey there and the uh, Whitney Insurance Agency, M. Whitney, the Whitney Insurance Agency. Uh, Love Safaris, the Peace and Blessings. Okay. Um, we, we'll be back tomorrow, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. We're here Monday through Friday. 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Empowerment Radio Network. And he shows a podcast at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com also. Um, let's see. Try and get some other comments in here before we get out of here. All right. Okay. And let's post this uh, right here also. Hey, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, um, email me at info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can also go to BlackSpeakers.com forward slash Michael M. Hotep. BlackSpeakers.com forward slash Michael M. Hotep. Okay. And who's this said? Okay, Ed Edward. Okay, all right, Edward. Um, all right, we have to get out of here. Hey, remember on the Michael M. Hotel show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. <laughs>